Welcome back to Brain Body Movement, the podcast for those interested in everything nutrition, training, and mindset. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Brock. Today's episode was a Q&A where we answered four questions that got sent to us through social media. Question number one, is it true that some people lose fat faster than others? Question number two, I'm 55 years old and just getting into lifting weights. Am I going to be able to build muscle? Question number three, how would you coach someone through a fat loss journey who doesn't want to track their food? And question number four, any tips working out in a busy gym with limited equipment? That was in the back half of the show. And in the front half, we discussed having a higher set of standards for self than others. Elon Musk's new book, Portugal's Renewable Energy, Regrettable Calories, and the usual couple of random facts. All right, enjoy the show. Be strict with yourself and forgiving of others. The reverse is hell for everyone. Strict with yourself, but forgiving of others. The reverse is hell for everyone. So being forgiving of yourself and strict on everyone else, it's just a nightmare. Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, the level of strictness that you have with yourself, you're always your, your own worst critic. Mm. But I think that's probably the way that it should be because you take the most stock in yourself and your thoughts and your opinions and you probably value them the most. So therefore, you should probably take more stock in them and you probably should be the most tricked on yourself but i think some people it's to the detriment right they're way too hard on themselves mm-hmm. and then forgiving of others i mean i think this is very contextual on the circumstances and like what exactly is happening like this is a, a case of like it depends again so like forgiving if it's not like like a moral compass or like outside of your line of values or something like that then then just be forgiving like if I've I brought this up before. We judge people, uh, we judge ourselves based off our intention, and we judge others based off their actions. So, if you're if you're making a scrutinizing judgment of someone based off their uh, actions, maybe find out what their intentions are, and then if their intentions are, uh, are pure or harmless, then that's when you can be forgiving. But yeah, I think this is very contextual with the forgiving side of things because some things are unforgivable in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah what's that saying it's like the road to hell is paved with good intentions mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so Very i true. think yeah and being strict with yourself i think it comes down to you have all the information about you and like how you go into the world so you know that you could have done that one more rep <laughs> like it yeah, I put that meme up like the other day. <laughs> I knew I could have done one more rep. <laughs> so funny. Um. Anyways, yeah, it's like you have all the information about your life more than anyone else ever would. So what makes you think that you have more information about someone else, about their actions? So it's like, I'm going to be strict with myself, forgiving of others because I don't have all the information about them. Just like the whole someone's cut you off in traffic. Could have been an asshole. Could have been going to the hospital because this this is pregnant and having a baby. The latter doesn't happen off happen often, but it still can happen. So yeah, it's it's a big one, especially if you're like trying to move forward in life and you've got like these set goals and stuff. And you I don't know if you ever get this, but it's like I want to hit this target. So my daily actions, I'm going to be strict on these these said things. Whereas someone's like, oh, why do you have to do that? Like they don't know what you actually want to achieve. And people are like, oh, it's just good enough. Like if you were to um, say build something and then behind it where no one's ever going to see it, you still want to make that look good. Just like Steve Jobs, he he was so pedantic with, the inside of the case, the Apple case of making it look pretty, even though hardly anyone is ever going to see it. And that is like being very strict with like the detail that he has. And I think that's a great way to move forward in life as well, because for the most part, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that can lead on to other, other areas of life. And then it's just infectious. And it's just like, oh, it's and it's expi- inspiring as well to see like Steve Jobs and, you know, Elon Musk. It's just like, wow, they're doing all these amazing things. And it's like, 
what the fuck am I doing? So <laughs> it's like, okay, let's, I'm not going to be damn obviously, but it's like, I can at least do these things today. And I know like if I set myself out to do these things and I do them, I'll, I'll feel a lot better. Cause I'm, I'm looking at the, the actions I needed to do said thing instead of the outcome as well and that's where a lot of people can get stuck as well they're like why haven't i reached my goal yet so no 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 you're looking at it totally different it's like what do you need to do today to reach outcome later and did you do those things today yes or no it's binary yes or no did you do it and if you did then you're moving towards your goal you don't plant and water a seed and harvest it harvest it the next day (laughs) (laughs) no yeah it's a continual process and and applying over a long period of time um there was something you said there. So I think it's the holding yourself to a higher set of standards than anyone else does. I think that's the underlying principle there. And then unless it's something that is genuinely unforgivable, forgive, but that doesn't mean you have to forget. Like you can forgive them for it and be like, oh, look, I, I totally understand your actions. You don't have to forget about it. <laughs> you can you can still be like, mm, I remember when you did that. I forgive you for it, but I remember when you did it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the that's the two key takeaways from that little segment at the start is the for me it's holding yourself to a a higher standard than anyone else does and I think that's a, a relatively healthy practice to have as you said no one knows your life better than you mm-hmm. do because you've lived it your entire life whereas they haven't so oh, therefore yeah. you should you should have a better understanding of what you are capable of and what you can achieve so you should be holding yourself to a higher standard where someone's like, oh, you're crushing it. You're like, oh, yeah. um, actually, I, I could be doing this more. I uh-huh. could be doing this better. I could be. And that's because you, uh, they're just seeing what's happening and, and you're knowing, oh, I could be doing this better. I could be doing this better. So, And then the forgive, but don't forget, that's, that's okay. Because some things genuinely are forgivable, in my opinion. Like if you harm another or if you harm a family member of someone, I mean, they're pretty unforgivable um actions but yeah with minor things trivial things like breaking a boundary crossing a value uh speaking derogatory to someone like these things you can forgive or but you just don't forget about it like it still lingers in the in the back of the brain like i forgive your actions but i won't forget about them sort of thing so you don't yeah. want that to eat at you either though that's the thing like you've got the the not forgetting yeah they're not forgetting like it's <laughs> You can forgive and then it's like, because if I think if you're holding grudges, like grudges is a massive one. It's like someone's done something to you intentionally or not intentionally. It doesn't really matter. And if you're holding on to that, it's only hurting you for for a lifetime. It's like, like if someone says something to you and then I'll fucking show them. Like I'll, I'll go back to them like in our bloody 10 year reunion and I'll fucking show them. It's like, Imagine how that would play out. Like you'd go back to the reunion and be like, oh, check out all this stuff that I've done. And it's like, oh, I wasn't even thinking of you. And this whole time you're thinking of that one person about saying that one thing. And they they were just living their life, not even worrying about it. They were just like fucking doing their thing. And you were like angry or upset at them for whatever they've done to you. And I think it's like a, it's like a virus that just kind of hangs around. Just like a, a mind virus. Well, see, that's that's not the yeah, yeah. That's not the frame that I was looking at. I was looking at more of like someone's crossed you or someone's said something and haven't struck through their word and it's ended up hurting you, whether that be financially, emotionally, whatever it may be. And you forgive them for it, but then a situation arises in the future where you've got this opportunity to then put your trust in them again, you've forgiven them for the first instance, but you're not going to forget that you learned what, yeah. Yeah. So you've learned from your actions. That's more where I'm going with, not like holding a grudge or or, or regret because that, that is like a a poison in the body. Mm -hmm. It's, I think that was an unsolicited advice you brought up previously. Oh yeah. Let go of hate and anger and like it's a poison in the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I was going from a different frame than you. Of course, but yeah. hey, they're both great frames, and it's like <laughs> if you're. And the thing is, as well, if you if you do remember, and you've changed your action, so say someone was going to like do that same action, and you're like you put a stop to it, 
then obviously you've learned. So it's like same situation, different outcome you've learned. So yeah, it's uh it's a hard one sometimes because like trying to trying to forgive and if you got all this forgiveness, you're like, yeah, forgive, 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 but then it's like you're just doing the same thing over and over again, same situation, thinking that it's gonna change. And it doesn't. Then yeah, like you said, I think the other week is like for me once, shame on you, for me twice, shame on me. And that's the that's the frame that I was going with. Like, yeah, fair enough, it's happened once. Look, I can give you for it. That's happened. But I'm not gonna let it happen again. So I'm not gonna forget about it. Mm. I've forgiven you for the first action, but I'm not gonna forget about it. And I won't allow that action to potentially happen again because I have learnt my lesson. I've been burnt, I've been scorned, whatever it may be. Yeah. So yeah. I want I wonder so I've been wrestling with this kind of concept a little bit. I've taken it from Elon about when he talks about Twitter of um, the regrettable minutes people spend on it. He wants to lower that so that people can enjoy the app. So I was, I've been like thinking of something to do with like health and fitness of like, was that regrettable calories that I just had? So say you've had some food, right? And then you feel like absolute shit after it. <laughs> regrettable calories. Okay. But then you do the same thing again next time. You have not learned because same situation and you're still doing the same thing. So to me, that's regrettable calories. And alcohol is a little bit the same. It's like, how many times have you heard someone say, I'm never drinking again? That's regrettable, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then <laughs> next week, Kane comes along, sun's out. Oh, I wouldn't mind a drink right now. Boom. Haven't learned. Regrettable calories. So it's just something I've been like thinking about in the last like few weeks of how many regrettable calories does someone need to have to to change their um to change their diet or ch- change their lifestyle and it could it couldn't it doesn't even need to be calories it can be like decisions like regrettable decisions as well yeah yeah so see if someone's a fast learner or a slow learner is that what you is that what you're getting at like how, how many times do they have to regret it before they learn that lesson is that is yeah, that what you're referring to you could yeah i mean what what is like what's defined of intelligence it's like speed of learning really like you can still learn the same thing but you know when you're you say a concept and someone gets it and someone doesn't that someone is more intelligent because their speed of learning is quicker that is how it's defined so if you're a slow learner, I guess that's why the people they call them slow because it's you know slow learning. So yeah, it could just be like you just over and over again of like how many times do I need to fucking stop at Macca's and eat that fucking <laughs> meal? Get home, sit on the couch, feel like shit, have my gut rumbling, mm-hmm. get how brain fog, wake up groggy the next morning. How many times does that have to happen? How that's many incredible Macca's trips do you need to have? So, um, you're talking about regrettable minutes there on Twitter. Yep. And that's something I haven't heard Elon talk about that yet, but that's interesting because Chris Williamson talks about post content clarity. Okay. Have you, have you heard him speak about that? No, I haven't heard. No. So similar it? to, similar to the, the male analogy of post nut clarity, <laughs> he's, he's, he's got oh, yeah. post content clarity okay. where he says, oh, yeah, he yeah. says I what you do after yeah. you. Yeah, what you do after, like, let's say, I don't know, you're on your phone for five, ten minutes and you happen to scroll social media, he goes, how did that content make you feel? Mm. Like, do you want to engage in more deep and full conversations? Do you want to go down a more health and fitness route? Are you just, like, feeling, like, sluggish on the couch or uh, feel defeated because you've been comparing yourself to others? Do you want to reach out and call your mum and tell your lover? Like, what what is the – how are you feeling after watching that content? So post content clarity. And he's like, I've been doing a bit of it lately, which is, it's a reflective practice. Obviously he gets off and then he's like, how did that make me feel? And then if it, he says, if it makes him feel like shit, bang, unfollow, unfollow, unsubscribe, unsubscribe way of siphoning through the shit that, I mean, your brain absorbs because it does absorb it and it does affect you. Oh, yeah. and it affects your thoughts and your thoughts become your actions, uh, words, words become your actions, actions become you. Mm-hmm. And it's a cycle. Yeah. It's hard to get, and you're wondering why you're getting fed all this shit because you keep liking it or you keep watching it as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Post content clarity. There you go. Just a little bit of a reflective Paris. All right. You've um you brought up Elon, and I know you've been reading his book. 
anything exciting in there <laughs> about, about his I'm, life i'm sure i'm sure there is oh there's there's multiple things just just the way he thinks he's he's got me he's got me thinking more like an engineer now of like breaking down oh, this is this this is going to be perfect all right so <laughs> sometimes um just you know it's not regrettable calories i'll tell you this right now so when it, sometimes I just feel like having a McFlurry and there was a Milo McFlurry this time and I asked the lady, I was like, oh, can you just chuck some M&Ms in there as well? And she's like, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, no, we, we can't do that. I'm like, unless it is like physics, like breaking physics, you can do that. Like I didn't say that to her, but that's what's like going through my head. I'm like, all right, can you just like put it on the side? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then I get to the door where they were like making it and stuff. And then she's like confused about like how she wrote it in. And she goes, did you want the M&Ms in the Milo? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, okay, no worries. And then she just put them in the Milo. And then I had <laughs> like an M&M and Milo McFly. I was like, in what world can you not just put M&Ms in a Milo McFly? It's not breaking physics. And that's one of the biggest takeaways I got from Elon's book. It was with the rockets, he wanted to make them very um, sustainable, cheap, and everything. And it's just like, all right, find out what everything costs, how you make it, and it's like, what can we delete and make it still work? It's like, why is there four bolts on this when all the pressure are going through these two bolts? Just make it two. That's like saving saving weight and saving money, which is what you want when you go into space because it's like a payload. However many kilos it is, is a certain amount of money. So if you can lighten that load, blah 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 right and i'm just like fuck yeah and then i used it in the like <laughs> drive-through line i was like this is great thank you elon let's go <laughs> but yeah his mind is just crazy and um yeah so he's got like um i think he's got asperger's as well so when he he thinks he's very like blunt so what i got from that as well is like people that you know taking us to he's taking us to mars and doing all this like re renewable energy shit and that and it's just like his mind just thinks differently to everyone else's so yeah. it's yeah pretty crazy very much so he's he's such a, a a wild thinker i said to someone the other day i'm like is are we living with like the einstein of our generation like is he that person like the things that he has invented created his thoughts they're like he i heard that he had a policy um, when it came to uh, building like Tesla out and the cars and the, is it Cybertruck? Yep. Pretty sure it's a Cybertruck. Yeah, Cybertruck, yeah. He had a policy that if someone came to him with a problem and they didn't have a solution, he would fire them, mm -hmm. which it's is pretty wild. But it's also like, well, hang on. Could you have done some thinking yourself and been like, okay, this is the solution? Even if even if they came to him and were like, oh, this this is the problem, we could maybe try this, this, and this. That would be enough to save them. If it was like, hey, oh, there's this problem that's arisen, you'd be like, okay, you clearly don't care about it. You haven't tried to do anything to resolve it. So, see you later. Yeah. Very very cutthroat in that in that regard. I like the that. Other, yeah. Well, what well, well, I do wasting like, his you, time. Yeah. Yeah. If you'll know where you stand with him, <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> there's no if buts or maybe's, which is which is fantastic. Um, the other thing that I found out during the week was his children. So I knew he had a lot of them. I didn't realize how close of some of them were together. And I didn't realize that majority were surrogates and IVF. Did you know that? Well, through the book, yeah. He, they, he opens up about it and he opens out, up about one of his, one of them transitioned as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I had no idea about that. I mean, I don't really look into people's personal lives too much of of that but it's more like what they do so eight of his eight of his uh, uh 11 children have been conceived ivf and yeah and i didn't realize how close some of them were together <laughs> the, the funny thing is right he conceived the the twins i believe they're called x and y i believe yeah yeah it's x a u um, something but yeah they're yeah, yeah. x yeah um Loves x. he <laughs> He believed, uh, conceived uh, with IVF with an employee, but at the time he had a policy in place that 
banned you from having relationships with your employees. <laughs> I suppose when it's your company, you can do what you like, right? And I just, I, I, I found that quite hilarious that he'd conceived yeah. twins through IVF with an employee whilst he was with someone else, <laughs> or whilst having a policy at his company that there was uh, no close relationships. So apparently having children and raising children together isn't a close relationship in his eyes. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I think when it comes to like being a human, right? I've, I think I've mentioned this analogy before that you've got like, let's say a thousand points to create a human. And let's say you can max out on a hundred in each category and there's 30 categories. Well, he's maxed out on like creativity innovation yeah because he's maxed out on that he's spent a lot of his budget on those so this is where he's maybe lacking in like the i don't know maybe social aspect of things or an empathetic side of things oh yeah he doesn't have empathy and that's probably down to his asperger's that he has so but that's where i was gonna go amber hurt i had no idea he dated amber hurt after old Johnny Boy, fuck yeah, now see, I don't, I don't keep up with the times with all this stuff. Maybe the stuff that he's doing, but yeah, just not him himself. But he so, said that, that was very toxic because he's just like, he just wants drama all the time, and he reckons he he strives when he's in chaos, and he plays like video games as well. Well, that was his whole relationship with one of his partners, wasn't it? They just used to play video games together. Yeah, I think it was called Polytopia or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty wild. So, yeah. Hey, it's crazy. You, you, you can't have it all. You you can't be charismatic, charming, intelligent, shredded at your eyeballs, <laughs> innovative, creative. You can't have you can't have it all. It's just yeah, use the video game analogy and look where you're maxed out and that's where the opposite of that is where your shortcomings would be. Yeah, well, he I think he, he went on Saturday Night Live a couple of years ago and he's like, yeah, what did he say? He's like, I'm taking I'm taking people to Mars and trying to get renewable energy for the world. Did you really think I was going to be a normal dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. Um, he's, he's dyslexic as well, which is like a large percentage of like the elite level thinkers and thought provokers like it's a it's a crazy percentage of the the billionaires and millionaires of the world that actually are dyslexic Mm. it's almost like it's some sort of hidden superpower i mean it's not (laughs) it's it's not but i mean there's something happening with the brain there that i don't know like it's i'll have to find a stat yeah it's like entrepreneurship is just through the roof with people that are dyslexic maybe a little bit of adhd as well could be yeah so dyslexia uh, is not linked to intelligence and although only eight to ten percent of the population have dyslexia it's estimated that between 50 to 60 percent of self-made millionaires are dyslexic including the likes of bill gates steve jobs and sir richard branson but it's not linked no it's not <laughs> Cor- correlation does not equal causation no, no. there you go so um, there's something else I wanted to bring up and it's to do, I don't know, I suppose technology aspect. The little old country of Portugal, which is 10 million people in the country of Portugal, beautiful country, uh, been there several times. Uh, they ran their whole energy supply of their country of renewable energy for six days, which is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that much energy. They even lent some out to Spain. There you go. So I, I believe it was all, I'll just have a quick look. Uh, it was all like um, water and uh, water turbines underwater and, and wind turbines. And yeah, it just produced a whole heap of renewable energy for them. So oh, sunny, sunny, windy, wavy and small Portugal uh, just proved that pairing the nation of 10 million people entirely with the forces of nature for six days is possible. Started on the 27th of October and they predicted it to be for a day that I'd be able to run it off, but they actually kept it going for the next five days. So including some of that time where the nation's grid was exporting renewable energy to 
grids in Spain. Pretty phenomenal. I mean, if we can stop digging into the earth and ripping up coal, and that'd be fantastic. We can get power off sun, wind, water. Yep. Well, that's what uh, Elon's trying to do with his uh, solar solar out there. Yeah. Got a big ball in the sky. Got to use it. Huge one, which is a big mass of energy. <clears throat> that's it. Just got to get some panels out there. It's same with like big save, big wave surfers. And like when I see them out on like a wave, right? Like it blows my mind. They're essentially playing with a whole heap of energy. Like it's <laughs> what they what they do in those massive, massive waves. Yeah. Miss me. No, thank uh, you. <laughs> no. It's yeah, I don't you what you gotta get like a jet ski out there, don't you? To Yeah, yeah. So they gotta be they gotta be towed in. up with a jet ski. But like things like that, like you don't want to muck around with things that like have mass amounts of energy. Like you don't want to lay out in the sun for too often. What happens? You get burnt. You don't you don't want to be mucking around with these big waves because what happens? See you later. You, you yeah, you end up in a barrel and break bones or fall on coral. You don't want to get stuck in a, a tornado, which is a whole heap of energy from wind, because what happens? Who knows where you go? Like nature's energy. It. Yeah, nature's energy is phenomenal. So you can miss me with any of those things. I don't want to get too close to the sun. I don't want to get too close to a tornado. And I do not want to be riding big waves anytime soon. No, especially if there's sharks out there. (laughs) So where I live, I I heard this thing. So like the Sunshine Coast, which is where I live, they estimate there is between 2,000 and 20,000 sharks in the estuaries and rivers of the Sunshine Coast. That is a shitload of sharks for the area that oh, yeah, that I live in. I'm like, wow. And majority of like estuary and river sharks are like bull sharks and mm-hmm. tiger sharks, like dangerous. Yeah, bull sharks. Aren't sharks. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So when I was reading that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not jumping in a Maruchi River anytime soon. I mean, I haven't ever. So... Not going to start now. Has there been attacks in the rivers? Oh, very rarely. But like families often take like Noosa River. Families often take like their kids down there and they like have them splash on like the water's edge. And I'm like, knowing that statistic now, and how many of them <laughs> like the bull sharks that just live in those rivers? Like they don't make their way out past the river mouth out into deeper waters. They just live in the actual rivers. It's a pretty large percentage. Wouldn't there be like signs and stuff saying that there's sharks in the river? No, I don't. I don't think there is. <laughs> no, I can have a look, I can have a look next time I'm down there for you, but I don't think there is. Because you'd have like up north, it's like croc. stingrays and yeah, crocs, and they got signs for that. Yeah. Well, I was looking at crocs the other day. Some have been spotted as far south as the Mary River, which isn't that far from me. Oh, they're coming. So they're the- yeah, the crocs are coming down. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> which is which would be a literal nightmare here. Not being able to jump in the water. Oh, every house would have to have a pool. Too hot. Yeah. <laughs> Get the pool out, boys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Enough about Jibber Jabber. You got a fact for me. I do. Um, so considering that Black Friday is just well, by the time this is released, it's would have just gone, but I got a fact about it. The term Black Friday originated in the 1960s in Philadelphia and it initially referred to the heavy and disruptive pedestrian and vehicle traffic on the day after Thanksgiving. So obviously Thanksgiving's around this time and everyone would have just... It's like when you're at the shops for like the day after a public holiday or something. Everyone's there or everyone's there the day before like they're going to bloody like run out of toilet paper like during the Rona like, <laughs> like a bonanza so so it now, was to do with it was to do with traffic was it yeah just like like p- pedestrians and vehicles like traffic as in like coming in after Thanksgiving all the traffic that comes in like people shopping yeah. and stuff so then they made it Black Friday and now it's like the term to describe um, retail has gone from the red loss to the black profit during the holiday season so that's ah, what it is there now. you go. Mm. Ah, interesting. You're Ridiculous in sales, but I feel like uh, as a consumer, <laughs> a lot of them jack their prices up leading into Black Friday, and then they just lower it. 
Like we know what you're doing, you cheeky buggers. <laughs> we see what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I have got a animal fact <laughs> of the sloth variety, which I happen to look like the sloth from Ice Age. So fitting. Sloths are so slow in their native climate that algae grows on their fur. <laughs> So I've brought the one up before about how the female sloth just gets lazy looking for a mate and she'll just stay in the one spot and just screech and scream until a male is eventually like, shut up, I'm coming. Yeah. Well, they actually move that slow that they they grow algae. Jesus. <laughs> what are they doing? Pretty just wild, hey? So, so that's why when you see a sloth, they sometimes have those like green patches on them. That's, that's algae from... I don't think I've ever seen so a sloth. Slowly. Only from Australia. Oh, really? Well, where? What? They're native to Australia. You've never seen like David Attenborough's Life on Earth or something like that. Oh, not in real life. Yeah, I wasn't talking real life, brother. (laughs) (laughs) How many sloths have you seen in real life? This Ice Age man, pretty well. (laughs) It's the last dandelion. The last dandelion. Okay, okay. Enough rambling about sloths, my people, and let's get stuck into some health and fitness questions. Let's do it. (laughs) Just before we get to the questions, if we have provided you with any value at all, can you please do us a favor, drop us a five-star rating, leave a review, or share this episode with family and friends. We really appreciate the support. Anyway, here comes the questions. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Question number one. Is it true that some people lose fat faster than others? Yes, it is true. Some people do lose fat faster than others. And it could be a range of different things. Usually, it's because they're in a bigger deficit. And being in a bigger deficit, meaning that they either are outputting a lot more energy than another person, or they're just eating less calories. So it can range from you are just a bigger human. So usually people with more fat to lose would lose at a faster rate than if someone had a lot less fat to lose. So say you were say 40% fat compared to 10% fat going 1% either either right like 1% down from that would be significantly easier for the person that has a lot more fat to lose just because you've got all this stored energy and being in a deficit is a lot easier than if you were in that 10% range because your body just wants to hold on to fat really there's a there's a set, a settling point roughly where people like to sit and once you go below that, it's a lot harder. So age is a factor. Um, how much energy, like uh, how much activity you're doing throughout the day. Um, yeah, the the big one is like your weight because your your BMR kind of goes with like how how big you are. The more you are, the the bigger your metabolism. A little bit of hormones here and there. Um, and then yeah, the deficit is a big one. Like. And it's a correct deficit, not just like the deficit of, yeah, I'm definitely eating in a deficit and then you're not losing weight when really you're not eating in a deficit. Yeah, well, that's the key, right? Eating in an actual deficit. (laughs) But yes, it is true. Some people lose fat faster than others. But why are you asking this question? So what? So what if they do? Just, Just focus on you. Like, yeah, sure, some people build muscle faster than others. Some people are faster than others. Some people are more intelligent than others. So what? That's just life. Some people are better at some things than others. Some people have better genetics than other people. It just, it is what it is. So just strive to do the best possible version of yourself or lose weight as at a rate that you can achieve sustainably. Just strive for that and just continue to improve yourself rather than being like, oh, this person over here is losing weight so much faster than me. They had less weight to lose and, and they're doing it so much easier. Like they're eating more calories than me and they're losing weight. Yeah. So what? That's them. That's their lifestyle. That's their genetics. It's everything about them. Like don't focus on them. Focus on you and what you can control. You can't control other people's genetics, lifestyles, how hard they work out, how many calories they can eat and lose weight. That's totally out of your control. What you can control is your intensity in the gym, sticking to a sleep schedule, uh, staying active throughout the day, you can control what you put in your mouth. Like these are all controllables. So control the controllables and just be happy with your progress. Like 
progress is progress no matter how fast or slow it is. So as long as you're moving the needle in the right direction, then that's a win. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I think this question comes from people comparing themselves to others. Like, is it true that some people lose fat faster than others? Yeah, it is, but so what? Yeah. Genetic, genetics loads the gun, but you pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I think, yeah, it's coming from the fact of like, I've seen other people lose weight really quickly. Why can't mm-hmm. I lose that weight that fast? And who knows what they've done? Maybe they went like, no calories whatsoever and then lost it and that's all they've heard they're like oh jenny lost you know 10 kilos in like a week like why can't i do that fuck jenny yeah and it's just like jenny starved herself (laughs) jenny gained it all back after you don't hear the aftermath of like a year later or whatever so yeah it's it's a question that does not really it doesn't matter too much it's just like how much weight do you have to lose put in a plan and then just start chipping away at it and just go bit by bit. You can go four weeks, you can go six weeks, you can go one week on, one week off. Just pick a plan, stick with it. What action items you need to do each day to tick off that you're going to move towards your goal and then stick with it. Because if you if you are doing all the, all the items of, you know, eating in the deficit, like hitting your calories, hitting your protein, working out, getting sleep in, hydration, all that kind of stuff, and then you're not seeing the results that you think you need to be hitting. You need to reframe of like, all right, this is what I've been doing. This is how slow I'm going. That's just my rate of, of weight loss right now. And who knows, like after a week, you may have figured out, oh, maybe I was actually not as tight on the calories as I was last week. And now that I'm at, set myself like this week, I was going to be dialed in. Then I saw the weight drop a little bit more. Then you go, okay, okay, maybe it was me that wasn't being really honest with myself of like, yeah, I probably wasn't tracking absolutely everything in, in my diet. And but like, it might not it might not even be that. It might just be like one week you were better rested. Like you got instead of six hours of sleep a night, you got seven and a half hours of sleep a night. And that translates to you naturally just moving more throughout the day. It translates to you having better training performance. But there's so many factors that you can control first before you worry about whether someone else is losing fat at a rate faster than you. And faster doesn't necessarily mean better. I mean, there is no fast way because the slow way is the only way. Essentially, like you can you can speed things up and do them faster, but the likelihood of you rebounding and regaining that weight is significantly higher. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people lose weight each year. The problem is they do it in unsustainable methods because they're trying to do it quickly, get it over and done with it, and then they return to their normal lifestyle and habits because they think it's six, eight weeks, and then they're done. It doesn't work that way. It's a lifetime pursuit. So stop comparing yourself to others. Focus on what you can do. And do it in a sustainable way, whether it's fast or slow. Like you'd rather you'd rather get there in twelve months than get there in eight, go back for four weeks, get there in six, go back for another four. Like it's just it's a recipe for disaster and on again, off again, falling off the wagon, it'll affect your mindset too. Whereas if you gradually move the needle each day, you will eventually get there. So yeah, just stay patient, stop comparing yourself to others and Control what you can control. Mm. Focus on the action, not the outcome. Mm. Just wanted to put that in there. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two, I'm 55 years old and just getting into lifting weights. Am I going to be able to build muscle? Hang up the boots, mate. You're done for. It's uh, too old old to start training. Way too old. (laughs) No, good. uh, Good. It's good news for you, mate. Good news for you. Um, I think there was a, a study done upwards of like when you're about six years old, your metabolism is running pretty well the same all the way up to 60. That's when it starts to go go down a little bit. Um, but yeah, you can definitely lift weights. It's going to be beneficial for you no matter um, if you're male or female. Um, that's when, you know, sarcopenia and, um, you know, your degradation of bone starts to kick in roughly around there depending on you know, your genetics as well and if you've lifted throughout. So it's great that you're even asking this question. 
You're gonna be build, you're gonna be able to build muscle. You're not gonna be able to build muscle as quick as you would have if you were younger, just due to your recovery um, and probably, uh, you know, your body's just not working as efficiently as it was back in the old days. But you can definitely start to build muscle, and because because you're new to it as well, you probably get a little bit of newbie gains. Um, but even just like walking, you know, is going to start to improve your health if you're not doing that at the moment. Like you're going to see the most amount of gains as in like health related gains as well as building muscle in this first like six to 12 months. If you start lifting now, like it's going to be huge. Like you should see the, some of the studies of like people that are doing nothing and then them just walking and then like lifting once or twice a week. It's like the, it's like you see it on a graph and you just fucking just shoot straight up and then obviously levels out the more you do it, but then you're a lot healthier than you were. So yeah, get after it. Obviously be careful. You got to start slow, start with some small weights and then just slowly increase, increase it as you go. I'd probably start off with machines first, just so you, it's a, it's a lot safer um, then trying to do dumbbells or barbells and stuff like that, especially because you've got stability issues as well. Being older, if you're if you're not used to, um, I guess moving weight around, you you have no idea how you how to move weight with your um with your body at the moment. So it's just like a beginner. You would probably just start them off with a little bit of weights just to get like some machines, just to get them a bit of strength, and then you can start to go some light dumbbell work and then if you wanted to do barbell work i don't know about barbell work to be honest when you're a bit older be all right but like people's wrists and stuff i can see them snapping (laughs) no they're fine you find to use barbells at any age (laughs) um so again i'm gonna go through a bit of a different route with this question so 55 years old just getting into lifting weights are you going to be able to build muscle yes but even if you weren't, lifting weights is still going to benefit your health. Even if you can't build muscle, and let's say you're 75 listening to this, congrats, one, for figuring out how to listen to a podcast. You're doing fantastically well. And two, if you're just getting into lifting weights now, at least you'll be able to retain the muscle mass that you do have. So you're still going to get benefit from lifting weights, plus that proprioception, that stability, the coordination, all those factors are going to come into play. So even if you can't build muscle it's still going to benefit your health and that's just talking about the physical aspect let's talk about cognitively it's going to benefit you with your brain health cognitive function it's going to help uh, immune function it's going to help way blood shuttles throughout the body like lifting weights is the magic pill that people for some reason aren't taking so yeah you can build muscle you likely will build muscle especially if you're just getting into lifting now at 55 years young um so yeah, I think I think Brad's advice is pretty sound. Start with machines. This is if you don't hire a, a PT or coach, which I'd probably recommend if you're just starting getting into lifting. Uh, to start with machines, read the little instructions on the machine. They're off. They're often there. So read or those. YouTube. Yeah, or, or YouTube if you can figure out how to do that. <laughs> I don't know how tech savvy you are, but yeah, and then just go basic with machines, and then once you've built up a little bit of proprioception and you, you feel quite stable on the machine then you can move to things like free weights dumbbells split squats single leg rdls things that help with balance and add to everyday life the, the question about am i going to build muscle this is a to me it sounds like it's an aesthetics question don't worry brother i've been there as well <laughs> <laughs> so, i've been there just wanting to go into the gym starting at the gym for aesthetic reasons and to build muscle reasons and i'm now no longer in that place so this is where most people start on the aesthetics and wanting to put muscle and then it changes into, oh, I'm noticing how much this is improving my quality of life in all aspects, physical, mental. So, Oh, it'll change your life. Yeah, start lifting weights. Mm. Pump some iron. <laughs> fight, fight against gravity. It's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. Question number three. How would you coach someone through a fat loss journey who doesn't want to track their food? Okay, so if I was coaching someone that didn't want to track their food, first I would, you know, dig a little bit deeper, not like full on at them, but just a little bit of like why they didn't want to track their food. Like was there something that they did in the past and they were like, don't don't want to do it or it doesn't work or there's something underlying there going on. But once I've passed that, 
I would start to work out of like things that would be nice low hanging fruit for them to do that would either reduce calories um, or get them eating better quality foods. So good rule is like minimally processed foods, like 80% of, of the diet. So like your whole foods, like single ingredient stuff, things that aren't really in packets and that, that just then is just like a massive drop in calories because most people would be having at least half of their diet would be processed foods, highly processed foods. They're eating out a lot. They're having a lot of snacks, you know, whatever it is. So that would just be one, just be like focus on your whole foods first. And then another one would be even like time-restricted eating. So just give yourself a certain time in the day of like, I'm going to eat from this this time to this time, whatever works with your schedule as well. So it doesn't have to be, you know, 10 to 6 or whatever it is. Just pick a time. Like if you've never eaten like in a certain period of time, don't make it like four-hour block. Like I would start with, you know, even 12 hours because some people are like eating 16 hours of the day. So even just like dropping it to 12 hours and then just like an hour each time until you start to get to, um, I don't know, maybe 10 or 8 depending on what you are like. Like I know some people need food to have with their medications. Um, so you kind of got to work around that as well. But it's an ongoing thing as well with the client of like, what do you want? What do you want to achieve? Like, what problem are we solving here? Like, you obviously want to lose fat, but like, if you are doing these things, this will get you here. But I need to educate them around the reason of why you're losing fat from all these methods. So I just tell, I'll explain to them what energy balance is, give them some resources and guides to trying to educate them a little bit more. And then eventually they'll go, okay, maybe I will track my food because that's what usually has happened in the past when I talk to clients and they don't want to track food because this one time they track food and it took too long or it didn't work. And it's just probably the way they they went about it. So we would go with, all right, no worries. I'm not going to push them into it. I would just go, all right, let's try these few things. Once they get a few more results, then they'll start to ask questions of like, oh, why did this happen? And then just explain to them there are no good or bad foods. You can eat any food you want. That takes the restriction aspect out of it. Um, but it's just like, let's concentrate on this. Let's add things more than subtract things. Um, it's a better mindset to have. And then just coach them through it each week. Just go, all right, what worked? What didn't work? Um, and then eventually they might go, all right, maybe I can track some food and not feel guilty if I have this chocolate bar, which is where I like to be with people. And then eventually once they know how to track their food, then they can do it without having to track their food and go, oh no, it's about time I have a chocolate bar. Like I know I can fit this in without even having to put everything in my fitness pal. Yeah, so I would go down a similar route to what you mentioned. So I would do a little bit of uh, prying into where the resistance coming from in wanting to track their food. Because from the way I see it, when you track your food and you know every calorie macronutrient that is going in your body, it's the most accurate way of knowing your total calorie consumption. Like it's like, this is how much I'm consuming. And then you can manipulate things from there. And you want to be as efficient as possible with the fat loss phase. Fat loss phases suck. So get in, get out with them. Now, once I've figured out where the resistance is from, they were adamant about not tracking. That's okay. We can utilize a couple of other tools. So there's the three, two, one method. So three meals and you'd educate on portion sizes. So like a fistful serving of protein, serving of starchy carbs, a thumb full of fat, uh, as many green veg as possible, three meals, two snacks. That snack could be a pot of Greek yogurt, an apple, um, uh, carrot sticks, like some healthy snacks, and one glass of water with each meal. So that could be a method. Another method could be, okay, let's try intermittent fasting and reduce the amount of time you're eating in. Another one could be, okay, let's eliminate processed foods. But there will have to be some sort of restriction or structure to be able to create a calorie deficit. Like something's got to give because your current lifestyle has got you in a position where you need a fat loss phase or you want a fat loss phase. So you're going to have to give somewhere and create some sort of boundary rule restriction that fits more in with your lifestyle and mindset of not wanting to track. So that could be intermittent fasting. Let's say you're uh, not a big fan of meat and you're like, I, I feel like if I go vegan, I can create a calorie deficit. Yeah, okay, let's go vegan, but let's make sure you're getting in all your micronutrients hitting enough protein needs and you're hitting it from a wide variety of amino acid profiles. Uh, let's say you're like, oh, I don't really like 
vegetables. Okay, let's go carnivore. Let's go lean meats and, and fruit. Like there's so many ways to go about it, but you've got to just speak with who you are coaching and then make your decisions based off that. But yeah, ultimately see where the resistance is in the tracking and let that go to the side and then implement some other tool. The the two that I use in particular are intermittent fasting, just a shorter window to eat their food in. And the uh, second one is the three, two, one method. So three complete meals, like a breakfast, lunch, dinner, two snacks and a glass of water with each meal. The question might also be um, tracking their food, like the calories, but like you could, you could easily just write down what you're having in a diary. Cause I think people might get too hung up with like, oh, I've got to like numbers. Yeah. I've got to put it in there. I've got to weigh it. I've got to do all this kind of stuff. It's too much for me at the moment. So it's like, you could almost just, yeah, just write down what you're eating. Technically that is tracking food, but I think the question might be coming from, I don't want to scan and weigh absolutely everything that I have in my mouth. And unfortunately that's just like not being accountable with what you're having. Like you, something, something has to give, just like you said, something needs to give you, there needs to be some sort of calorie restriction in there and whatever method you choose is up to you, but just being aware of what you're eating. Like in the research, you just said, they just time and time again, it's like once people start to just track and be aware of what they're eating and being conscious of what they're eating, people lose weight. It's just, and I see it time and time again with my clients as well. Like with my challenges that I run first two weeks, Whole, mainly whole foods as much as they can do and then the weight just just drops just from just doing that and like tracking their food it's like time time again i see it like probably nine times out of ten i see it this happening so it's just why wouldn't you why wouldn't you track it and i get some people like get caught up with the whole full-on like numbers and everything but like that's how i would say i'd like if that's way too hard just eat. you could just write it down as well Tracking is like stencil paper at school, right? When you were learning to write, there was a stencil which mm. gave you some guidelines of, of how to write. It's mm. essentially what tracking is. It's it's giving you a guideline of the nutritional value of the foods that you regularly eat. That's the way I, I view tracking. Yeah, because you, you think you're eating a certain amount of calories and then once you start tracking, you're definitely not. Like Some people just don't know what, what's in food. Like, I brought this up before, but one of my clients had uh, two Migraine packets, <laughs> like 400 calories each. He's like, fuck, I didn't realize that that were that much. I'm like, yeah, it's not yeah. a lot of food for how many calories are in there. So, and I've done it before with salmon. Like, it's just, yeah, just having two big fillets. Probably didn't need that. And I was wondering why I was always full all the time. <laughs> just need the white yeah, fillet. <laughs> and that, that's the thing. Like, even nutritionists and dietitians, they've been in wards and tried to guess the caloric value of foods and they get it wrong and they're nutritionists and dietitians so how do you expect when you don't have a a dietetic degree to be able to go and correctly guess the caloric value and amounts of grams of protein in said meal so yeah the the other one that you mentioned there was like eliminating uh, processed foods which again great fantastic everyone should be doing that anyway but I believe there was a a study done where and they had two groups. They gave they gave one group just minimally processed nutrient dense foods, and then the other one they gave uh, highly palatable, nutrient poor, highly processed foods. And I think the calorie they said oh, eat whatever you want till you're full, till you're satisfied. And I believe it was twenty percent more calories in the group that had the highly processed foods. So just eliminating your highly processed food consumption will naturally have you eating less because those foods are artificially engineered and manufactured to have you eating more. So that's such a, such a simple fix is like, okay. And that's, that's another thing that I can do. If like someone's, if the resistance is trying to hit macro targets or stay under a calorie goal and I can just get people to write down their food intake, I can go, okay, they're lacking in, I don't know, let's add some blueberries to the diet. That could be a way you could coach them and be like, okay, let's add a cup of blueberries here. Now, what does that cup of blueberries do? It gives them something sweet. So there's not a lot of resistance to eating more blueberries. Gives them something sweet, but it also gives them some nutrients, some antioxidants, and the key one is fiber. Now, that fiber can have people feeling fuller for longer. Now, if I see routinely that they finish work at five and they have three caramello koalas, 
then those blueberries may push out that hunger and they don't feel the need to have those three calamello koalas when they finish work. So naturally, they cut out those three caramello koalas. So they're just having the 100 calories worth of blueberries and they're ditching 400 calories worth of caramello koalas. So they're saving themselves 300 calories, which is probably enough to put them in a deficit and start to see some fat loss. So these are the things that you can do, like add rather than subtract, like giving people more food or have a couple of blueberries now. Like let's say their weight loss plateaus and you can still see that they're eating similar foods, but there's still another highly processed calorie dense food in their diet. Okay, we've added a couple of blueberries. What else is lacking? Oh, if you can if you can digest broccoli, well let's let's add a, a cup of broccoli to to this meal here. You add the cup of broccoli, adding more food, they're like, oh, I'm eating more food. And then they take away, I don't know, the Raffaellos that they were having after dinner. And they stop eating the Raffaellos because they've got the broccoli, which has made them feel fuller. So they the broccoli is like eighty calories, a bit of protein in it as well, full of fiber. And they remove the two Raffaellos that they were having as dessert. Simple things like that. I want a Raffaello now. <laughs> I thought you'd like my examples of caramello koalas and Raffaellos. Oh, very good. It's funny. I should have got some blueberries because I actually did have three caramello koalas today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, mate, add the blueberries into your diet, and then you'll you'll feel you'll have more fiber, feel fuller for longer, and you won't want the the caramello koalas. It was leftover. <laughs> Okay, question number four. Any tips for working out in a busy gym with limited equipment? Oh, yeah. This is what's great about weight training is you can do so much, one, with even body weight. You don't even need to be in a gym. Um, bit of dumbbells, uh, even just a kettlebell or some bands. Like, it doesn't matter what you have. Like, And if you are in an actual gym as well, um, there's obviously going to be more equipment there as well. So you're going to be able to get on at least one piece of equipment. And even if you're not, um, you can ask someone like, look, can I work in with you? That's the first response I would go with. I was like, all right, I really need that machine. So I'm just going to like chew here with some dumbbells, maybe do like, I don't know, some standing shoulder presses or whatever. And then once they get off or you just ask them oh, how many sets you got or you just wait for them to get off and then you get straight on there. That's one way of doing it. But yeah, you could do a whole workout routine with just dumbbells and you don't even need a machine. So it's like, what do you want from the workout? What exercises are you going to do? So you need to plan ahead, I would say. Like plan ahead. You know it's going to be busy around that time because most people finish around that four or five-ish market and then they get to the gym when it's pretty packed. Not like us, we can go most times during the day or whatever. Unless you with the missus and then get away for her to get home from work and then <laughs> and when it's busy as fuck. But that's another story. So plan ahead, plan what you're doing. So then you know you can go in and out. And you can also do like supersets as well. So while like one uh, machine is getting used, um, you go, all right, look, you do that while I do this. Like if you're with someone as well. But because of the limited equipment, you got to be very... Um, What's the word? Creative. Because it's like, all right, what what are my backups if this machine is taken? So it's like, or if this squat rat is taken, it's just like, all right, I have squats or hack squats or whatever, like leg press, but it's taken. And then you go next on the list or, okay, maybe the leg press is taken, but I can do squats or vice versa. Or I'll just do some uh, dumbbell squats or some uh, kettlebell goblet squats or something. It's just like, what is my backup? You need to have at least two or three, especially if it's like a small gym with like limited equipment, like you're saying here, and it gets busy. You know it's going to be fun. It's you know you're like all right, this is my top priority because it's like horizontal pull. All right, the the cable pull the cable row is taken. All right, I can do a barbell row. I can do a dumbbell row. I can do some sort of row. So you just write that down in your in your program of just having like two or three backups, and if they're all taken. You just go on to the next exercise and then you've got a couple more there or you work backwards. Hardly anyone's on the calf machine. Just start with the calves first. You know, do some abs, <laughs> whatever it is. You just got to be creative when it comes to it. But the main driver is like, you need to prepare of like, have your program and then you just write your backups of like, all right, if this is taken, I do this. If this is taken, I, I do this. If 
everything is taken, I do dumbbells or I do body weight stuff. And it's just like, yeah, like I said, being creative, probably say creative about 20 times, but (laughs) that's what you got to (laughs) do. So first tip would be take in like three or four towels with you. And then when a bit of equipment becomes available, just whack a towel on that bit of equipment. Then it's yours. Or a Uh, sec. Out of water sign. <laughs> Second tip would be change the time you go to the gym. And third one would just be change the gym that you go to. Some great tips now, there. All right. Now that's a wrap for today's episode. <laughs> no, uh, don't do not do the towel. And if you can't change the time that you go to the gym, see if you can change gym to one that is less busy. Like if you can uh, afford to go to a gym that is more expensive, there's likely going to be less people there because there's a – higher barrier to entry to join that gym. So it may be less busy during that time. Uh, the fact that you know it's busy and you know it's got limited equipment means that you can fully prepare. So you can be like, okay, this is usually taken. Now this is where like dumbbells and an incline bench come in handy. Like there is so much you can do with just dumbbells and an incline bench. So maybe structure on the days where you can't change your time, maybe structure it. So you're using minimal equipment. So Let's say you go in and you do, let's say it's upper body session, you do pull-ups, you can do them just about anywhere. If you get dumbbells and an incline bench, you can do uh, an incline chest press, you can do a incline row, you can do a lateral raise, you can do an incline curl, and you can do a scale crushes. Bang, whole upper body workout done using just dumbbells and an incline bench. So you, you, the fact that you know that it's busy and you know it's got limited equipment means that you can tailor your training around it. You've just got to be buzzword creative with what you do like it's it's relatively simple once you know the parameters of what you can work with just that it's that planning planning ahead metric which is key with everything right like plan when you're going to go to the gym plan what you're going to do at the gym plan what you're going to eat plan when you're going to eat plan where you're going to eat when you go out like it's it's all planning yeah Yeah, man if you're not going in with a plan you're just going to be like gone from exercise to exercise and then you won't know why like you're fucking like what (laughs) you have a goal and if you don't reach that goal it's because you're just like pissing around over like you're like you do one exercise and you're looking around to see what's free and shit and it's just like yeah what are you even doing have a plan yeah you're just like spinning your wheels and you're not reaching your goals because you're doing like one exercise one time and another and another. And like, if you actually have it written down of like, all right, I need to do a squat pattern. I need to do a hip hinge. I need to do a vertical row. I need to do a horizontal row. I need to do a vertical push, a vertical, uh, a horizontal push, uh, do some sort of rotation and carry or something within this week, this many sets, boom, work it out. And it's just going with the framework of, I just need to hit these things. Doesn't matter about the exercise at the moment. And then you just keep keep going and you can just look back at your training logs and like, all right, I hit that for that. Easy. And just flick through. And you're like, number one, couldn't get it this time, but number two, I can. And then you just go from there. Like, yeah. But yeah, best one, probably just fucking find a better gym. Yeah, yeah. It's seriously like pay a little bit more so you can maximize your time invested from training. Like you'd, well, there's you some can't, you can't do what you want to do in your gym. So go to a gym where you can do what you want to do. So one, you'll enjoy it more. So you'll likely adhere to the program more. Two, you'll probably get more benefit from your training. One, because you are enjoying it, but two, because you can do the exercises that are more optimal for you. And three, it's less busy. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a win. No one no one likes a credit gym. The the other bit of advice that I didn't give was just simply use your voice. Like I, I I can't remember a time where I've gone up to someone and been like, hey, how many sets have you got left? And they've been like, oh, I've got three to go or I've got two left. And I'd be like, oh, do you mind if we work in together? Yeah, yeah, no worries, man. Like it's it's very rare, like very rare that someone's like, just wait for me to finish. Like I don't think that's ever happened to me. It's always been like, yeah, yeah no worries. Or they'll be like, um, oh, yeah, I just got one to go. And I'm like, okay, I'll just wait for you to finish. And then you just wait there, bystander, they do their set, and you jump on. Definitely. Okay. Hope that answers your question. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon it does. Change gym and if not, bring three to four towels. <laughs> <laughs> and add an order sign. <laughs> yeah.
Anyway, that's a wrap for today's questions. If you want your questions answered in the future, make sure you are following us at brain.body.movement, at Brad Dapper, and at Brock underscore Dalglish. And you can ask us a question whenever we put up a sticker box or send us a DM. Now, we just want to say thank you so much for listening to us. If you enjoyed or took any value at all from this episode, we would really appreciate it if you took a screenshot and shared your Instagram stories. We would also love if you shared it with family and friends and left us a five-star review. Also, don't forget to turn on post notifications so you don't miss an episode in the future. But before we go, we can leave you with a few things. Make your damn bed, get your steps in, and be kind to one another. Cheers. Dandelion. Must have been the last one of the season. <laughs>